is Black Friday to honour Rebecca Black. Answer me this, answer me this. Would you rather eat polystyrene or snacker jacks? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. We've had a suggestion, Ollie, as to how you can perhaps recreate the childish joy you felt when being given a piggyback, but in a more adult way. Tony in Manchester says, Ollie. If you like piggybacking... We established that I definitely do. Well, you did. You might not as an adult anyway. That's true, yeah. Your medical I've tried it for 20 years. And she says, if you like piggybacking, why not play donkey barging? Now, that's not the same as donkey bagging, is it? What's donkey bagging? Donkey bagging is when you're bumming someone, you put your fingers down their throat to make them sick and it tightens their anal sphincter. Oh, that's even worse than a donkey punch. <laughs> Why do people come up with such awful They're sexual both practices? They're made up, aren't they? They're yeah. not real things. Yeah, but... I, I don't think people really do it either. Why do people think of not only such awful-sounding made-up sexual practices, but ones that are very hard to execute physically? Like, how would you reach around far enough to get enough purchase on someone's throat? Well, that all depends on the size of the lady. Uh, and the size of your arm. Uh, anyway, she says, Donkey barging is where four or more people in pairs give piggybacks and they try to push each other off. Great fun. So you've introduced a guaranteed element of instability into the thing, into the scenario that I was concerned might cause me to fall off. I don't think you've understood, Tony in Manchester, that the issues that I feel that I might hurt my back by falling off are not going to be resolved by doubling the opportunities to fall off. I think increasing more than double... That's because right, someone's yeah, yeah. actively trying to get that result. Yeah. And you're essentially jousting. Uh, well, we've had more feedback on last week's show from uh, Kate in China. It's exotic, isn't it? I don't know. might be very ordinary. I've never been. I-, I see what you're saying. I mean, it all depends on global perspective. But to me, China seems exotic from this living room in Crystal Palace. Well, to one billion people, it seems ordinary. I, I take your point. Uh, she says, uh, I just thought I'd email in response to Martin's statement that they don't drink milk in China. Uh, I'm living in China this year, teaching English in a high school in Chengdu, and I can categorically tell you that they definitely do drink milk in China. I don't think. I think historically they didn't. One swallow does not make a summer, Kate. Maybe it's all the rage in Chengdu, and the rest of China is still anti-milk. Well, she says there, the kids drink it every day, and are always telling me to drink more of it because it's healthy. To be fair, it's not really proper milk, but it's close. Well, that is healthy, isn't it? Fake milk. Not proper milk. Maybe it's um, diluted emulsion paint that they're drinking. No, she says what it is, is it it, uh, comes in little cartons, sometimes flavoured with fruit. My favourite is the kiwi. Oh, that's a bit acidic to be flavouring a milky thing. Yeah. Yeah, but then sometimes it's that combination of sweet and sour that makes a pleasurable taste experience, isn't it? Sweet and sour milk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She says it has little pieces of actual fruit in it and some kind of jelly substance, which is strange at first, but you get used to it. Sounds a bit like vomit. I've had that, not the milk, but I've had, you know, in Chinese... The aloe jelly. Yeah, Yeah. Chinese superstores, you can get that aloe vera drink. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like it. The first time you have it, it's a bit like reverse barfing. (laughs) But then when you get used to the idea of chunks going down your throat that way, you actually think, you know, actually, this is quite a pleasurable experience. Hi, this is Freya, living in Bournemouth. Helen, answer me this. Why in the restaurant chain, TGI Fridays, is there an apostrophe before the S? Because I don't think that grammatically makes sense. Because it's not like it that anything belongs to TGI Fridays. And um, if there's not any reasoning for the apostrophe to be there, then why is it still there? Well, usually I'm very upset by 
abused apostrophes. And More I've, than upset. Distraught, I'd go as far to I say. I do feel a physical pain. Yeah, but not on this occasion. Well... Why? Because there's loaded potato skins <laughs> to make you feel better. Onion rings! <laughs> um, Have you I, had the onion loaf? Do they do that there? I haven't been there since I was nine. They do that in some American ones. I don't know if they do it in the UK. What's onion loaf? Oh my God, it's amazing. It's Is just it? it's It's loads of onion rings oh in a God. mound. Oh like God. like a bread loaf that you can God. cut through so you have like 10 onion rings oh, on a slice. No, it's awesome. Actually, I've just seen something on a website that collates the uh, chat magazine type top tips. And uh, this one says, I wanted an onion ring pole for a party I was hosting for strippers with halitosis yeah. <laughs> and couldn't find one anywhere. Then I had an idea. The kitchen roll holder did just the job. Here it is, Ollie, looking classy. Oh, that looks brilliant, actually. Who wants an onion ring pole? Who wants a pole of onion rings for a party? That is beautiful, yeah. Shame we got married before we saw that. So is that some, someone trying to do homemade TGI Friday stuff? Maybe because they are disgusted by the apostrophe. Because I can't justify this, Helen. The apostrophe. Uh, apart from possibly, although we all know it stands for Thank God It's Fridays, right? But possibly there is a man who was known as TGI Friday to his mates and he opened the first one. No, the first uh, one was opened by a man called Alan Stillman. So it doesn't work. It's not called Stillman's. Why has it got the apostrophe? I think it's uh, just though in that tradition of bars named after a person. It's a TGI Friday's establishment. Right. It's an unfinished sentence. It's a bar belonging to TGI Friday. But... Uh, I think they could have just left off the S and the apostrophe and then we wouldn't have this problem. I think that's right. I think that's absolutely right, Helen. I think, therefore, you should be animated about this subject. Oh, don't give me another linguistic bugbear, Ollie. <laughs> oh, I'm already too preoccupied with people using pronouns incorrectly when they're saying Ollie and I, when they mean Ollie and me, or vice versa. See, now I find that quite confusing. What, I've, what I think what you said to me, which is quite useful, is, is think about the sentence without the other person in it. That's right. And say, would I say I or me? And that's You do that anyway. <laughs> Classic only child. <laughs> but all I can remember of TJ Friday's food is onion ring. Do they actually sell anything that's not onion rings? Well, the thing is, it's 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 basically burgers, isn't it? And I think in the 70s, when there was only Hard Rock Cafe, Sticky Fingers and that, that was quite exciting. But now, I mean, there's so many American bars and stuff. Like, to me, TJ Friday's is a place you go, like Cafe Rouge when there's nowhere else yeah. it's fine you're on an industrial state in the middle of nowhere yeah. or in an airport terminal and you think okay okay 15 pounds for a burger it's a bit expensive but it'll be an okay burger I'll yeah. go there if there was a branch of giraffe you go for giraffe you go branch of giraffe <laughs> I'm glad we <laughs> revived that catchphrase <laughs> I'm surprised giraffe haven't deployed it yet someone actually tweeted me the other day saying they walked around Coventry or something and saw a giraffe and went branch of giraffe <laughs> Um, it's not even a catchphrase, is it? It's, it's just <laughs> saying what it is, yes, yeah, but it thinking is. about Ollie Man the whole time. Yeah. I read uh, the recipe for making a Big Mac, and uh, apparently the secret, the special sauce, is um, store-bought mayonnaise, yellow mustard, and sweet pickle relish mixed together. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And that's the critical Big Mac taste, isn't it? See, when you know, it's not interesting, is it? No. When you know, you're like, oh yeah, that sounds... It's like when they reveal how Houdini did his magic tricks. You're like, oh okay, there was a door at the back. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Who's the old woman on Steve Wright in the afternoon? It's an old woman you've never heard of her. All yeah. oh, right, okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's more interesting to have the mystery. People. Who's who's girl with the one track mind? A woman I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, here's a question from Dan in Peterborough, uh, and he says, uh, "Helen, answer me this: If Chico and MC Hammer were in the same room, what <laughs> okay. time would it be?" Oh, is it Chico time or Hammer time? Yeah. I think the quality of both those times is quite different. I think Chico time. It's more a phase that you go into. It's a mood. Yes. Whereas Hammer Time, I think, is on the hour in every quarter. So it's um, possible to experience both at once. Hammer Time could fall in the middle of yeah. someone experiencing Chico Time. Very much. Like, Chico Time is, is a fugue. 
state yes perhaps Mm -hmm. who do you think would have a better time in that room i'd imagine chico is a more polite man but we'd have to listen to mc hammer banging on about mc hammer's current business ventures i think that's probably right i can't imagine mc hammer would want to be in the same room as chico although you could well imagine them both being on celebrity big brother couldn't you yeah the thing is hammer now he's uh, a sort of silicon valley entrepreneur isn't he whereas chico uh, i looked on his website he was on dancing on ice this year apparently but his most recent job was hosting a live bingo cam session that's not like the uh, live girls cams, is it? But just Chico using a bingo dabber on a bingo card. <laughs> I don't believe so, Helen, no. But Hammer is doing the uh, the one-hit wonder retro nostalgia stuff again, the mm-hmm. ironic stuff. Chesney Hawks can do it. Yeah, but Hammer for a long time just didn't want to go there, like was still presenting himself as a serious artist. Or a serious Silicon Valley investor. Yeah, but actually apparently this week he performed at the American Music Awards with Psy. They did, oh. they did a mashup. They did Gangnam Style, and Hammer did Too Legit to Quit. I don't remember His that famous one. worldwide number one smash. That's the name of his album, wasn't it? Uh, you see, but you see, this is what I mean. He's still reluctant. Like, just yeah. do... You can't touch this. That's all anyone wants. Just you know, He didn't wear the gold trousers either. He wore white ones. And how sick would Psy be of doing the Gangnam Style dance now? He's just been doing that dance solidly for months. He hasn't even been allowed to walk everywhere. He's really good at it, though. He's really graceful. I watched him trying to teach Jay Rayner how to do it today on a, on a video. That's touching. He's, and Jay Rayner wasn't getting it at all, but Psy yeah, was but Jay Rayner's with... a middle-aged food critic. It's not really his oeuvre well, to Well, not that young, but he was moving, moving with a beautiful Aquan Grace. Mm. Hello, it's Charlie from Leeds. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. It's my brother's birthday today, and we accidentally put some relighting candles on his cake. And we were just wondering, how does it actually work so that the candles keep on relighting? Oh, those are good fun, aren't they? Those trick candles. They kind of are. It's very embarrassing being the victim, I think, of the relighting candles. Well, it's like it's embarrassing being the victim of any practical joke. But usually you can see the funny side, and then once you've seen the funny side, the joke's over. And usually it's not your birthday. But the problem with relighting candles is, yeah, exactly, it is your birthday, and so you want to be the centre of attention in a different way. In in a a good way. way. Yeah. And... And yet you're going to feel slightly awkward at being centre of attention at that exact moment when everyone's singing happy birthday and looking at you and you have to just kind of be gracious. That's difficult, isn't it, pulling that face for a long time? It's awful having happy birthday sung at you anyway because it's such a terrible song. Yeah. It was my brother's birthday last weekend and my mum managed to get the song in, I think, three separate times. <laughs> it's just awful, isn't it? Why did mums like it in particular? I think it's brain damage. You Maybe need- it's something that happens when um, a child goes through your birth canal. <laughs> anyway, the reason why these things work to ruin Ollie Man's birthday is because, unlike a normal candle, they have a substance in the wick so that the ember that's left in the wick when you've just blown it out can uh, reignite and thus set fire to the little stream of paraffin vapour that is rising off the wick that you've just blown out. Oh, OK, so it's... Uh- Turning the byproduct of an ordinary blown-out candle into something yeah. that causes the reignition of this particular gas. Yeah, so the gas will uh, reignite and light the wick and the candle will be going again. So usually they use magnesium powder. I wonder how uh, reigniting candles came to be, because obviously we know them all as a beloved practical joke, but... Uh, to me, it seems like that technology, you know, the magnesium, the paraffin... Could be old, couldn't it? Well, I wonder if it's the sort of thing that was developed actually for the military. I was thinking for the Elizabethans, because they love court jesters. They probably <laughs> thought this joke was really funny. <laughs> no, but, you know, imagine that. You, you, the enemy thinks they've turned off your ticking bomb, but they haven't. Well, it is a similar principle to dynamite sticks. Yeah, exactly. And you could put those on a birthday cake, but it might produce beyond the desired effect of a joke. <laughs> There'll be cake everywhere. If you've got a question... Then email your question, yeah, to answer mail this podcast, googlemail.com. Answer mail this podcast, googlemail.com. Answer mail this podcast, googlemail.com. 
Hellcat. And submit this podcast to googlemail.com. Here's a question from Concerned in Hebden Bridge, who says, uh, My wife is due to give birth to our first child in April. Well, good luck. That's good, isn't it? That sounds like good news. Yes. Uh, understandably, he says, she would like me to be in the delivery room during the labour to provide moral support, encouragement, and witness the moment our first child comes into this world. It doesn't seem an unreasonable demand. I mean, she's going to be doing most of the work. You do read this and you think, where is this going next? Because it wouldn't be beyond the wit of man to imagine that this is going to be, but England are playing Argentina <laughs> that day, so I don't know if I can make it. I'm not sure our listeners are cut from such crass cloth. Okay, geek version. There's a new Lord of the Rings film out that day. <laughs> the Hobbit. <laughs> I've got tickets for the IMAX. They're launching the iPhone 6. <laughs> anyway, it's not that, thankfully. Oh, so he's not camping outside the Apple store? No, he's got a good reason to be dubious about whether he should be there, and I don't really know what to say to him. Here's what he says. I would like to be part of the but unfortunately i have a tendency to faint at the slightest sign of anything icky right well unfortunately it's pretty icky not only that the life of a child is quite icky they're disgusting count yourself out now no you're just gonna have to get over it but i've never fainted at anything you've never fainted um no i've literally never fainted i've never felt like i was going to faint either i can't relate to this at all if you blow up a long balloon ollie those are much tougher than a round balloon that's the kind of sensation but intensified and it also feels a bit like your skull is too small for your brain okay now what i have had is when i spent too long in a steam room right and i know i know then that if i spend another 10 minutes in there then i'm gonna faint i guess over pampering yeah yeah that's my major clinical problem um then i know that i need to go outside get some water get some air so i guess i can relate to that Concern from Hebden Bridge does have some examples of uh, his um, previous fainting experiences, and they're pretty wussy, Helen. Okay. Being unable to watch James Herriot stick his hand up a cow in all creatures great and small. Oh, for God's sake. Fainting whilst giving blood. I've been politely asked not to come back. That happens to a lot of people. Not me. And I've done it four times. I wouldn't... I can't give blood, because I, I definitely would faint. Why? And piss myself. What's... what's what? It's a phobia. It's not... Of what? The, the needle? Uh, yeah, the, the sensation of having a needle in my Okay, flesh. but if you were in the hospital receiving blood, would that make you faint? Or that well, no, doesn't matter, because you're in the right place. faint, because he's missing blood. Yeah, if I'm in that circumstance, I'd probably be under general anaesthesia. Whenever he sees me sewing, he passes out and throws up. For someone who's worked in the medical industry, though, Martin, that is quite remarkable. I don't have a problem with the people's blood. I'm quite happy for the people to bleed, oh, okay. bleed all over the shop. It's my own Oh, well, that's mortality. interesting, then, isn't it, concerned in Hebden Bridge? Maybe you're seeing your own blood makes you faint, but seeing... The gushing blood coming out of your wife's vagina, that'll be absolutely fine. And the feces, and yeah. the gunk. And the entrails. And the tearing. I'm sure it'll be fine. Are you still with us? <laughs> Someone Me- throw some water and, on him. And the mucus. Um, okay, well, here's another example. He says that he fainted when he got a tattoo done. This was very Ooh. embarrassing. I'm going to get a tattoo done then. He says he almost fainted during the ultrasound as Why? well. Why? That's pretty lame. Is that just because it looks like an alien parasite has taken up residence in your wife? I, because of my belly button phobia, I think I would have an issue with an ultrasound, actually, with the distended belly button. Could you ask your girlfriend to wear a little toupee over her belly button yeah, during yeah, yeah. the pregnancy? So. Anyway, we've established that concern from Hebden Bridge is not good with needles or James Herriot. Yes. What does he want to know? Well, he wants to know, Helen answered me this, how the hell am I going to make it through my wife's labour without fainting? Sit down, number one. It might not be that practical to sit down, and I think you definitely want to remain at your wife's head end, because I don't think anything in the room is going to be that pleasant, but at least you're not at the business end where things are coming out of her. The business end, that's right. You're at premium economy. Yeah, And and also, (laughs) it's fairly early on in her pregnancy. If she's not due till April, they probably haven't done the... uh, antenatal classes so those will probably 
get the initial shock out of the way because they're going to show you some horrible videos of oh, people do they giving do birth, that? apparently. Yeah. And oh, that I, would help, yeah. But it, you could ask the instructor at those classes for some tips for getting through it because I bet it's a very common thing. People discover remarkable qualities in themselves at times of heightened emotion and extreme crisis. Like people who are genuinely quite wimpy and flappy, if there's an emergency, they can become very practical and actually, supportive. Yeah, my dad's a bit like that, actually. Like, my dad obsesses about the most tiny detail to do with what time I'm arriving. It's usually mm. to do with arrangements. He'll call me five times, what time are you driving here? Where are you parking? Where are you coming from? Information doesn't even concern him. Yeah. And yet, if I was to call him and say, Dad, I've just had a car crash, he'd say, where are you? How can I help? Like, he'd actually suddenly change completely and stop worrying about it. Well, maybe he's just worried about the things that might happen, but he's a lot more secure about things that have happened when bad things happen. My brother Andy uh, is pretty pathetic in most situations, and he's not at all practical, and he goes absolutely apeshit when there's a wasp in the room, and yet he managed to get through the birth of two of his children. One of which he delivered himself. Yeah, but there was cricket on the radio to calm him down. (laughs) So yeah, you're right. I think probably adrenaline kicks in and you might be all right, but I still think tell the hospital staff that you might faint first. I think probably your wife will be so angry at you if you're pathetic that it'll scare you into (laughs) being a bit less of a wimp. A bit more robust. Yes. Hello, this is Charlie from Oxford. I have just got into a pub with my parents and because I'm a scientist, they expect me to know how long dinosaurs live because apparently nobody in the Museum of Dinosaurs seemed to know. So, tell and Ollie, answer me this. What is the average lifespan of a dinosaur? Well, at this stage, naught. It's not relevant. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, should you tell her or should I? (laughs) It's still a matter of curiosity, though, isn't it, Helen? Even when they're extinct animals. Well, flocks of paleontologists are probably trying to discover this right now. Is that the pluralistic term for paleontologists, flocks? Um, I suppose a a scrape of paleontologists. (laughs) A fossil of paleontologists. Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. It seems to be a matter of great dispute. Because some say, well, based on the life of a tortoise and an alligator and they're a bit like dinosaurs maybe it'd be up to 300 years and then sounds other like people, guesswork yeah exactly other people saying don't be silly yeah 300 years silly the more realistic estimate seems to be about 40 years from the big carnivores but then herbivores they're saying oh they probably lived for 100 years they probably didn't because they probably got eaten when they were 20 mm. the little dinosaurs had quite short lifespans the ones that are kind of like birds okay. are now so they might be 10 or 20 years now are dinosaurs particularly resonant for our generation because of Jurassic Park? Or did Jurassic Park come along because kids are always fascinated by dinosaurs? I was into dinosaurs way before Jurassic yeah, Park came along. Yeah, me too. Okay, is the particular reason that children are so enchanted with dinosaurs because they don't exist? Like, actually, giraffes are pretty amazing, aren't they? Mm. But kids aren't that fascinated by giraffes because they go to the zoo, they see one, they're like, okay, it's a thing with a big long neck. It's amazing, really, yeah. but it's not a T-Rex, is it? Why is that? But that's because like, we're adults when you're a child. Like, oh, it's like the books, but no, stinky. <laughs> <laughs> Then in your awesome knowledge I'll be basking What's in some bad I'm so alone No one to email No one to email And no one to phone Where can I get new friends from? Answer me this question from Cheska who says I am a recent graduate with a dilemma what to do with my entire life oh okay that is what most people graduate from university with and then you keep it forever (laughs) 
10 years on, Cheska. <laughs> she says, I am currently employed at the dullest job in an industry that is not only crushingly monotonous, but also massively sexist. Does she specify what it is? I assume it's working on a production line making copies of Nuts magazine or yeah. something. <laughs> she says, I live at home and my post-university social life is also really getting me down. Hmm. So I've decided I need a change. Okay. I've made it to the final stage of applicants out of about 500 people for a programme where I can work in the happiest place on earth, Disney World, Florida. Wow. Cool. Although, sorry to pick you up on this, but uh, Disneyland, California is the happiest place on earth. I don't believe Walt Disney World uses that slogan. So it's not happy. I believe their slogan is just the magic of... The magic of Walt Disney World. But some magic is bad magic, isn't it? It makes you melancholy. Not at Disney World, Helen. Sorry. All magic is good. Says, I'm waiting to find out whether I've made the cut. However, there are some downsides to this opportunity. No, there aren't. Is it that once you've experienced the uh, second happiest place on Earth, everything after that is going to be very depressing? I think it's that once you see Minnie take her head off, oh. <laughs> all childhood illusions of Disney love are gone. Are kids listening, Ollie. <laughs> Says... If I were successful, the job would be entry-level customer service, which I'm concerned mm. could lack mental stimulation. Yeah, especially around very enthusiastic Americans, because they can make dull jobs seem... They have pride, even if they're very lowly paid. Yeah. They're told to have pride because that distracts them from the fact they're not being paid properly. And we're generalising appallingly, obviously, but compared to British people, Americans, yeah. you are a lot more enthusiastic. Yes. And you don't seem to mind so much when you work for massive global conglomerates and aren't really recognised for what you do. They invented that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the money is appalling right. around 7 or $8 an hour with long hours, 40 plus a week. Yeah, but presumably you get to go on Space Mountain as much as you like. He says also, although some of the applicants were really great, yeah. others were already very cliquey and intense. Imagine Twilight fans with their own vlogs. <laughs> wow. Says, those people probably won't get those jobs, will they? But people who apply for an international programme to go to Disney World... A bit weird, right? It's aspirational and it's also a bit mental. So I think you'd expect that. Why did you never do it? I thought about it, Helen. Did you? I thought I thought about going to Disneyland Paris. I never had the gumption to assume that I could get a job in Florida. Couldn't get in the big league. No. But my French wasn't good enough, so... No. No. But no. they speak Disney there, don't they? Yeah, but you have to be bilingual no, at Paris. No, not if you're in one of the silent animal head things. Because you're not allowed to talk, are you? Yeah, but then, I mean, it's France. You've got to be in a silent animal head union, presumably. You need to understand the paperwork. Mm. She says, I do love Disney and I'm a positive person. Good, that's two out of three. But I'm concerned that I may lack their blindingly sunny disposition. Okay, that is just two out of three then. (laughs) You've got to be blindingly sunny at all times. You can probably get pills for it. I don't know whether it will be tough to work for 12 months with people who are so happy it makes me look like Eeyore. Oh! One of the Disney family. That's, I like how she brought in a Disney reference there. Actually, you're back on point. I'm also concerned with the current economy and all that spending a year away could put me in a difficult position to find work on my return. It's all right. There'll probably still be a recession when you come back in a year. <laughs> It'll still be difficult to find work. No worries. Yeah. So, Ollie, answer me this. Should I go and work at Disney World? Yes. Or would I be happier moving to a city, the Magic City, and finding a regular job? Well, you can do both, can't you? And this is the thing, I think, when people graduate from university, they really feel like they have to have all the answers straight away, know what they're doing for the rest of their lives. It doesn't work like that. Like I said, 10 years still looking. (laughs) So... Gonna cry. Why not, you know, if you feel this urge inside you to see what it would be like working at Disney World, you've got this opportunity. Yes, the salary isn't much, but you do get to live in Florida and work in Disney World. It is 
going to feel like a sunny and happy place if only for a few months before you get bored. Why not take it yeah. and then come back and get an ordinary job? The stories you will have exactly. because you worked at Disney World yeah. will keep you going for decades. And also to employees when you come back to the UK, you spent that year doing something. You're already discontent in your current job. Does she say which which, which bit she's working in? She says the job would be to work in the UK pavilion at Epcot. Oh, okay. Perfect. So she'd be like the British ambassador to <laughs> Disney. Yeah, that is kind of what that's like. So you've never been to Epcot, have you? I've never been to a Disney place. Okay. Epcot is basically a theme park based around what people in the 1960s thought the year 2000 would be like. Now, this international pavilion bit... Oh, that's like the old Crystal Palace. There's like a French bit and an English bit. Yeah. And they've recreated what they think is an English pub, except obviously you can get American cheeseburgers there. And like, As you can in English pubs. Well, indeed, mm. that's true. Uh, a red telephone box, that kind of thing. Yeah, cool. So she'd be working in the UK. She'd be an exotic UK lady. Someone you could, yeah, people might get their pictures taken with her and stuff because they met someone from the UK. Would she have to wear a top hat with the Union Jack on it? It's possible, that kind of thing. And she would have to be relentlessly sunny, as she says. I don't see why this is a problem. I think by acting relentlessly sunny, it's bound to be a little pep to the spirits. Yeah, thoughtful as action. Yeah. I also think that uh, if you are going into any kind of customer service role afterwards... Disney people know what that is all over the world don't they so whatever it's whatever job you go into yeah and it's like if you can do customer services at Disney World then you are going to be I would say pretty good at your job if you even just got an average reference from them that's going to be hard going isn't it compared to yeah. doing customer services in a call centre for British Gas or something a year to a recent graduate probably seems like a long time away you probably think I should be doing my real big career by then but when you get to our age you think yeah I was just trifling away that time yeah I mean, I Wish spent, I'd spent a year at Disney World. Yeah, I spent six months having to write articles based on press releases about uh, new mobile phones. Made you the woman you are today. Broken. <laughs> Unemployed. Yeah, <laughs> unemployable. Well, if um, any of the rest of you have life dilemmas you need us to solve, then please do get in touch. Nothing too existential because... Uh, you know, we're just hanging by a thread ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all of our contact details are listed on our website. Answermethispodcast.com But wait, there's more. In the style of, I guess, a kind of Pixar B-movie, mm. uh, there's now going to be an extra little bit. You're really oh, selling it. Is yeah. it where the angle poise lamp jumps around a bit and has an adventure? Yeah, it's kind of, no, I was thinking it's more like the little four-minute films, but then you get those before the big feature day, is, whereas this is afterwards. Is it like the blooper reel on Toy Story? We know what I mean. There's going to be an extra bit now, so Yay. don't turn off this episode. Freebies for um, you. Martin has a new album out. It's called The City of Golden Lead. But, and it's all you singing, playing all the instruments, all done multi-track. It's like Prince in that respect, aren't you? I'm a bit taller than Prince. And if people, whilst they're listening to the track, want to buy the album... Uh, they should go to thesoundoftheladies.com. Thesoundoftheladies.com. And you can get a CD. You can get a really nice CD with a pop-up paper craft sleeve, or you can get a download. And I will say, and I, I will say it only once, Martin, that I've listened to the album and I thoroughly enjoyed it. You listened to it twice. I've listened to it, but I've only listened to it twice so far but I'm going to listen to it more well you went back for more which uh, which is a pleasant surprise I think it's the best one you've ever done Martin has agreed to give you a little taster of the album right now take it away the sound of the ladies Through hostile, I'll change. I caught a small so tank. 
Thinking unconsciously Chin up, chin up Arm outstretched Shoulders relaxed To echo a jaw You got dressed up Right leg tense Retro Then south to me So good, secret heart, why don't you go? 